as you heard from uh, Pastor Steve and from, from Jonathan, we're starting a, a series this week called Abide, and it's a way to kind of kick off this week of prayer and fasting. I really encourage you, if you've never fasted before, uh, try. Um, it is uh, as you give up something, it creates space for God to do a new thing in your heart. And so if it's a new experience for you, you can uh, decide how much you want to fast. You can just do a, a meal a day, or you can fast from all meals, whatever you want to do. But I think it's an it's a great opportunity to create space for God in your life. So, as you heard, we're, we're doing a series called Abide, and we're looking at what does it mean to rest in Jesus and his word. Uh, today, we're going to be, the title of the sermon is The Word That Gives Life, and it's based on John chapter 5. So, I'm going to read out some, uh, this passage of scripture, and then we'll talk about it together. John 5, verses 19 to 29. It says, Very truly, I tell you, the Son, Jesus, can do nothing by himself. He can only, he can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. You heard that in those testimonies where people heard God and responded. Incredible. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done what is good will rise to life. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Wow. Well, I think we'll spend the next year unpacking this passage because <laughs> this is a lot of... We're not going to do that. But, uh, I mean, this is a... It's a dense few paragraphs, isn't it? Here's what the theme of the book of John is. It's in uh, John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, these are written, all these things that we're reading, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The idea of eternal life is a big deal in the Bible, but particularly in the book of John. It's mentioned over 17 times and it's the, it's the primary theme that runs through the whole book. So here's the point. God wants to give you and I life. Now, when I think about, um, you know, perhaps if you're in your teens or in your 20s, you're going to ask that, that deep and profound question, what is the meaning of life? And, uh, uh, and so you're going to have to kind of invent what you think your life is going to be about. Well, according to this book, it's really asking the wrong question. It's not, what is the meaning of life? It is, who is the meaning of life? And what we find in the book of John is that if you don't know Jesus, you will never know the meaning of life. Because our life purpose is wrapped up in a person, not just in an idea of what we're going to do for a living. Now, uh, before this passage that we just read... 
Jesus gives new life to a lame man. So he says, I've come to give life. And then he gives an example of that. And he heals somebody who is crippled. Absolutely incredible. He takes this idea of life and he demonstrates what it looks like. And it's him healing somebody from being crippled. Now, here's what's fascinating about this. Jesus is doing this all the time. And it's just shocking the way that the people respond to this. The Jewish leaders of the day were infuriated with Jesus, incredibly angry. And this is what they say in the verse just before the passage that we just read. It says, they tried all the more to kill him. So here's a guy who who heals somebody and they want to kill him for it. Isn't that incredible? Why would you, what would go through your mind that you would want to kill somebody who's trying to bring life and demonstrate spiritual power that heals? Well, here's the answer. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, so they considered healing to be work, and work wasn't what you were supposed to do on the Sabbath. I mean, it's just shocking to me. Somebody gets healed, and they're angry for someone breaking the rules. All right. So not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So what we see is they're angry about two things. They, uh, they're angry that the rules of rest were broken and they missed life. And then they believed in God, but missed his son. Huge oversight. So they're just angry. Now, how does Jesus respond to people who don't understand the source of life and what life looks like? How does he respond? Well, the first thing that he does is he links this miracle of healing this lame man. He links it to his relationship with his father. He describes himself as a son, which is an incredibly uh, humble thing to do. And here's what he says. He says, I have come to fulfill the Sabbath. I've come to bring rest and life. My Father has sent me to do that. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, Sabbath or rest isn't just described as a day of the week. It's described as a whole life. In that when we're in Jesus, you actually get to rest from doing your own work. You get to rest from striving and carving out your own life purpose. And you get to trust in Jesus. And so God sent his son to fulfill that agenda. And it looked in one moment like healing somebody who was lame. And then it goes on to say, that's nothing. You're going to see things way more amazing than this. I'm going to raise people from the dead. You think raising a, a lame man to, be, to walk again is something? That ain't nothing. When you see somebody actually rise from the dead, now you'll see the fulfillment of what my father has sent me to do. So he's saying that I give life because of my relationship with God. I'm a son. And then he links this miracle to his relationship with us. He describes himself not just as the son of God, but as the son of man. He identifies with us. And so he says that here's how it works. I'm connected to the Father, and as you're connected to me, life can flow through me into you. So follow me on this, because this is a really big deal. Everybody is looking for life, but it's kind of like 
winning a lottery. Somebody wants to, we all want to get a chunk of money so that we can in, be independent and do whatever we want to do. And then we'll say, ah, I'm fulfilled. And this scripture comes along and says, you must understand how life is discovered and lived. It's only lived in connection. That is, the father is connected to the son and we're connected to the son. Then we're in that line of life. And then we'll experience who God has made us to be and to walk in the newness of that. So our relationship with life is always a connection to God. If you think of yourself as this uh, microphone, if I turn off the microphone, it stops being connected to something and it loses its purpose. It has all the potential to amplify, but unless it's connected, it's useless. You and I, as we're made, have the potential to have life in us. But the only way that that potential is realized is if we're turned on, as it were, if we're connected to a source. And only then is our life amplified to reflect who God is. So here's the point. God's life flows through relational veins. If you feel as though uh, you don't experience much life in your life, the solution is to get connected, is to get plugged in. And as you're connected to Jesus, who is connected to the Father, now life can flow into you. The answer of a, of a lifeless life is always going to be connection to Jesus Christ. What a fascinating conclusion to what the purpose of life is and where life is found. It's found in connection. You know, I think whenever I feel out of control and I feel like my life is aimless and I'm not sure exactly what to do, then I feel like what I need to do is just kind of focus on something and make something happen and take control. And what we heard in the testimonies um, of baptism is that it's actually the surrender of control and connecting ourselves to a power source, to the source of love and truth and life. That is where we're going to find our hopes and dreams being fulfilled. So, if everything is about somehow being connected, how do we strengthen our connection to God? Well, it's recorded in this passage. It says, um, Very truly I tell you, in verse 24, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. What are the ways that we get connected to the source of life? is by hearing him and believing in him through his word. We hear and believe. Now, what an interesting primary problem to have in life is a hearing problem. If you were to think of all the problems that you have in your life, where would hearing be in the list of what your personal problems are? I haven't heard anybody, I've been, I've been in, in vocational ministry for over 30 years, I haven't heard anybody say the primary problem in my life is I don't hear well. People say, I'm depressed, I'm overwhelmed, I need more education, I need to find a better group of friends, I need more money, people have all, I need to study more, people have all kinds of problems, but I haven't heard anybody say 
that their primary problem is a hearing problem. Yet what we find in Scripture is this is the primary condition, being able to hear God as kind of the doorway or the portal into his life, is the ability to hear. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, Given the importance of hearing, uh, you know, how do we hear? Well, uh, Paul Morgan sent me a, um, a, a blog post by a guy. His name is uh, David French, and he calls this blog the French Press. Isn't that clever? It's press, you know, writing in French. Anyways, let's see. So uh, here's what he does. He says that what is, um, you think we're in a pandemic of COVID? He says there's another, you know, epidemic going on now. And it's society's inability to hear. It says it is rampant. And here he says is how people, I have to say how we don't hear. We'll get to how you hear in a minute. But he says this is how you don't hear. Okay, so take notes if you don't want to hear. This is what you do. The first thing that you do, he says, and I I like what he says. He says the first thing that you do if you don't want to hear is you doubt the person speaking. You just write them off. So let's take our favorite person in the world, especially in Canada, Donald Trump. I know we all, we all are here. <laughs> Sorry to say that. Okay, so I know it. Anyways, so let's say, so Donald Trump, if Donald Trump says something, is it always wrong? Well, you go, well, <laughs> you know, some of you might, <laughs> do we really want to go there? But what we'll do is we'll write him off Right off, rather, will write off what he says simply because he's the one who said it. I'm not asking you to be a fan of Donald Trump in any way. I'm just saying that it's fascinating that what we'll do is we'll, is we'll dismiss truth simply by the messenger who delivers it. Isn't that fascinating? What's fascinating is that God speaks in all kinds of ways. And if we simply dismiss his truth based on who said it, we will not hear very much of his truth. I'm reminded of uh, back a number of centuries ago when the church, another, yet another embarrassing moment in church history, when the church would burn people live who they considered to be witches. A horrendous practice in every way. Who corrected that? It was secular society who said to the church, you can't do that anymore. We're going to outlaw it. God speaks in, through all kinds of places in all kinds of ways. And if we simply dismiss something on the basis of who said it, we might miss a lot of truth. He goes on. Uh, Not only do we not hear because of who says something, we also don't hear because of why we think somebody said it. And he talks about the idea of motives. That we'll listen to somebody speak, and we'll go, I don't believe it. Because I think that you didn't speak with a kind heart. So I can dismiss what you say because I judge your motives. And I don't think you have very good motives. Uh, I don't... Uh, respect who you are so I can just write it off because of why I think you've said it. Or we write it off because of how somebody says something. 
will dismiss a, 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 a biblical truth because of how it gets delivered. I didn't like your tone of voice. And so because I didn't like your tone of voice, I don't have to listen to anything you say. How people speak clogs up our ability to hear who speaks, why they speak, how they speak, and finally, what they say. One of the, if you don't want to hear somebody, here's what you do. You listen to everything they say, ignore the main point, and focus on a minor point to distract you from having to pay attention to the main thing that's being delivered. What, not everything that somebody says could be true, but we can listen for God speaking. There's lots of ways to not listen. David French speaks about how listening to other people, but the same applies here. I don't listen because I don't trust who God is. I mistrust his motives. Sometimes he sounds angry, and some of the details are super confusing to me. So I'll just write the whole thing off. Done. I've heard... Uh, so many people say, you know, this is misogynistic and racist, and on it goes. Of course, you wonder how much has been read, but that's okay. And I'll just write it off. And we don't take the time to listen and to hear God speak through his word. It's easy to do, isn't it? Uh, here's what my main problem was in preparing this sermon. I was reading the passage. This passage I didn't choose. Uh, it's part of the Abide series that every nation, churches all around the world are preaching. And I'm reading this passage, and I'm thinking, that's super complicated, and everyone will tune out second sentence in. That's what I'm thinking. This is going to tune out. I don't know if you've, you've, if you've talked with people who have a short attention span. But sometimes I feel as though if I don't say something clever in the next 15 seconds, I've lost them. And here God writes in a way that requires us to lean in. You read that passage? I've read that passage, oh, I don't know, countless times. I love the book of John. And I'm still getting it, kind of. I have a hearing problem. I want it quick, clean, simple. I don't want to lean in. I don't want to have to struggle to understand something. That's a hearing problem. Now, what is the cause of that? What, what causes us to not hear well? That's what it looks like. But what causes us to not hear well? Uh, Titus 1.15 I think, is a, is a profound thought that needs to be unpacked. It says, to the, it says this, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. And I can add, even the Bible. Nothing is pure. What's the main, what's the main problem in our inability to hear God's word? It's the heart. It's our own hearts that are corrupted 
and distorted. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch people, and I can put myself in here, but I'll watch people who have a struggle with authority. And there's a, there's a rebellious kind of strain that goes through their life. And do you know how they view other people? It's power hungry. Right? If I have a problem with authority, I'm going to see everybody out there as trying to steal away my power. And I'm going to protect who I am and what I think. Because my the way that I see and hear is through a, uh, through a filter that is distorted. So I think that what we end up doing with God is we go, God describes himself as almighty, all-powerful. Well, there you go. Because what I think about power is power is always abused and misused. I've been hurt by power. I like to keep power. I don't like giving it away. And so I'm, I'm going to see God with suspicion because of my experience and beliefs about power. What distorts us is not the clarity of God's word, it's how we hear it and see it through our own hearts. Our self-centered hearts distort what we see and hear. You guys, hearing is a really big deal. I think about, uh, I think about marriage. And uh, uh, Debbie and I have been married for a few years now. And uh, often I can't hear her. She's speaking. Her, her lips are moving. She's saying very helpful things. I can't hear her. Isn't that incredible? I can't hear her because of my suspicion, because of my defendedness. I hate it when she says that I do something wrong. It really bugs me. Don't want to hear that. And so I just can't hear her. And then what I do, because I don't want to hear, because my heart is corrupt, I criticize, mostly in my head because I'm trying to be a Christian. But, uh, but, I, but I criticize uh, who she is, why she says it, how she says it, and what she said. I just write it all off. The problem is I don't want to listen to the truth because it's going to ask something of me. I'm going to have to change. And so because my heart is corrupt, because I have an evil heart, I'll attack the messenger of truth to justify why I don't have to believe and follow. Psalm 18 verse 26 is even more to the point. It says, with the pure, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you show yourself astute. It literally means twisted. Do you know that, that God actually looks twisted when he's looked at through a crooked heart? He actually looks twisted. He looks perverted. Isn't that shocking? How we see him is he, he appears to be evil. That's incredible. And what decides how we view God is not with how clearly he presents himself, it's the heart with which we see and hear him that makes all the difference. This is why Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If you have physical ears, 
could you please hear? Strain forward to hear. So how then do we hear well? If hearing is such a big deal, if the problem is a corrupt heart, what sets us free to be able to actually hear the life that is in this word? Galatians chapter 3, verse 2 says it very well. It says we practice hearing with faith, hearing with belief, with trust. Those are synonyms in the Bible. Faith, belief, trust, those are all, they all mean the same thing. We practice hearing with faith. Here's the idea. Trust improves our hearing. One of the things that we really value in this church is, is talking to people about Jesus who have never heard about Jesus before. Because we don't think it's right that we get to know about Jesus and they don't get to know. We don't think that that's right. We feel a moral obligation to give to other people words of life. Super high priority in this church. What we've discovered as we talk with people who have never heard about Jesus, what helps them hear is when we model love. And love allows some trust to be built. They say, well, I don't know who God is. You say you're his messenger, and it looks like you're trying to love me. And as trust grows in someone's heart, so does their ability to hear the truth about God. Whenever I'm doubting scripture, when I'm doubting God's truth, my problem usually stems back to be a faith problem, a trust problem. Somehow I'm suspicious of him. Somehow I am. He didn't answer a prayer last week. Something horrible happened in the world. And we go, where is the God of love? Where is the God of power? And as my trust goes down, my ears get plugged. But as my trust goes up, I begin to see him for who he really is. And that he is always beautiful, always good, and always in control. So here's God's invitation to us this evening. That we would continually hear truth afresh to believe in. This is what it says in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message. Now I want to unpack this for a minute because this is a big deal. So point number one is God's truth never changes. There's never going to be a new truth. I remember my professor at Regent College said, if you want to be creative, don't be a theologian. Because there's, there's no new truth to discover. It's all here, and we can never add to it. But we do need to be able to hear it afresh. Now, here's the thing that I, I, I want us to just focus on as we close. Um, as we have beliefs that we've come to believe in over the years, those beliefs can actually block us to being able to hear God's word afresh. This week, I, I read a book by Adam Grant called Think Again. And uh, he's not a Christian, but he has some very helpful things to say. And here's what he says. Listen to this. This is what he says about Christians. Christians often don't think. They're too busy believing. This is what I believe. And I don't have the courage to think about them again. 
because it's unsettling. That's, a, that's an indictment against the church. Here's, if, if you call yourself a Christian tonight, many people in the world are going to look at you and I and say, you're somebody who stopped thinking. I think sometimes the church is afraid to think again. I think we're afraid to think again. Is Jesus the Son of God? Yes. But maybe we need to think about it again. Not just, yes, he's the Son of God. All right, anyways, what's for dinner? But to actually think again, and to think again, and to let his word be fresh and new every day. The, uh, in the Old Testament, um, there was a time when they were in slavery in the land of Egypt, They're coming out of Egypt into a promised land, a land of life. And as they're traveling out of death and slavery into life and newness, they go through the desert. And God provides for themselves a special kind of food called manna. The word manna means what is it? That's what it literally means. Let's have some what is it? (laughs) It's a a surprise casserole, you know? (laughs) It's like, what is it? And so... uh, so they, they, that's what they call it. They had, what is it? And what God would do, it would, it would kind of descend like snow on the ground. And it would be a kind of bread. Now, here's what's interesting about that manna. Is that you couldn't keep it overnight. It would go stale. It would rot. They had to depend on manna, the, uh, on bread. Every, um, every morning, they needed to receive again the nourishment of God. That what they received yesterday was insufficient for what they would need today. This is what Deuteronomy 8.3 says about that whole time about them being in the desert and eating this manna. It says the goal was that to teach them that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We're going into now a season of fasting. We're not going to eat, well, I'm not going to eat anything for five days. I'm not looking forward to that. I love eating. I love eating. Yeah, I get grumpy. And so uh, it's uh, the cross my family bears. (laughs) Um, Why do we do that? Why would we not eat for a while? To know that we're not actually sustained and given life by physical food, but by spiritual food, the word of God. Let me ask you tonight, are you hungry for truth? Are you hungry for truth? Are you willing to think again? I just go, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, or oh yeah, I'm not. And nobody's going to change my mind. Do you have the courage to think again? Do you have the courage to revisit truth And let yourself hear afresh what God's word would say to you. We connect to life when we hear and believe God's word afresh. In the fall, we had a series called uh, Relational Rhythms. And we were talking about behaviors that help you have a better relationship with God. And one of those behaviors is reading the Bible. If you've never read the Bible, read it. Starting in the book of John would be a great idea. 
Read about the life of Jesus. And let yourself hear again what is true. Um, uh, Adam Grant says, the problem with our beliefs is that most of them were formed when we were a child. We came to believe that, uh, that God is a myth and that power is what matters and that money is what's going to make me happy. And we just correct, collect a whole bunch of beliefs. And the only way to improve and reinvigorate healthy beliefs is through God's word. To, to think again about what's true. This week, would you please spend more time reading the Bible? Just spend more time reading the Bible. There's a, I'll, I'll call him an acquaintance. He's not quite a friend. He's an acquaintance. But I've known him for over 30 years. He was trained in the, uh, in the uh, American military, uh, how to kill people. That was his job. I remember my, my friend who knows him much better than I, they were, they were both watching a movie, and this assassin had his arms around, around my friend. And he says, uh, he says, you know, he says, I could kill you in three seconds, but I won't. <laughs> so that's what he was trained. He went over to, uh, he went over to Europe, and uh, as he gets on the boat, this was a while ago, as he gets on the boat to go over to Europe, somebody hands him a Bible. He had never heard about Jesus Christ. He gets, he gets given a Bible. And during the length of time that it takes to cross from America over to Europe, he read this book over and over and over again. And by the end of reading this book, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. When he lands on the shore, he, uh, uh, he goes to camp. They hand him his weapon. He puts his weapon down. He says, I will not fight again. And I can tell you a very long story that's a fascinating story about how, this, how God revolutionized his life. He never had anyone speak to him about Jesus. He only had the Bible. And this Bible changed his life. What kind of books do you read? What do you read? Do you read about science, philosophy, politics, skateboarding? What do you read about? This book is words of life. And God is inviting us to abide, to rest, to soak in words of life. And as we connect through this book to Jesus, to the Father, the life of God flows into us and we are radically transformed. Can I please urge you tonight to not underestimate the power of God through his word. Do not underestimate it. I was talking to somebody uh, just the other day. They says, I've been a Christian for a very long time, and I've, I've, I've recommitted myself to reading the Bible intently. And he says, I've, I've read this Bible more than I ever have before. And he says, the more I'm reading the Bible, the more I'm falling in love with God and his word. There's lots of things, lots of knowledge that you can gain on the internet. Nothing is going to replace 
the Bible as the source of truth. I'd like to pray for us. Father, I thank you that life is not found in an idea. It's found in a person. And that you're inviting us to hear the person Jesus through his words, trusting in those words to be life. I ask now that you would give us the grace to be able to hear you. Father, it's true, our hearts are so corrupt, we're so proud, we're so self-centered, and it's made us deaf. And as we heard in the testimony, would you come and find us? Now, not so much us finding you. Would you come and find us and set us free? Unstop our ears so that we can hear you afresh. Let 2022 be the year in which we, uh, we lean in to hear you and to trust in you through what you've said through your word. I ask on behalf of my friends that this would be what would characterize this year, that we would find life through listening to you anew. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship you.